Welcome back to another hour of Scott Shower. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right, this evening, I think we have a pretty good lineup here. We have the McAllen Classic Cut 2022 edition. Our, then we have our shout-outs slash get-it-togethers after that. Our restaurant review, which is Torchy Tacos. And our main event, our Smarter Challenge, being the movie review of The Flash. Not the uh, old 1980s Flash Gordon <laughs> movie, but the new one from 2023. Right. Not some movie about cocaine, <laughs> but about a superhero. Flash. Flash. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Uh, once again, thank you for all of you who have subscribed to our channel. We greatly appreciate that. Even if you watch our channel, our channel only once, please uh, subscribe to us. We are trying to reach uh, 1,000 subscribers, uh, and so that way we can open up more uh, tools and things like that uh, in YouTube so we can provide a much better uh, podcast for all of you, or a better experience. And thank you to all of our listeners on the multiple uh, podcast platforms that we are on as well as well and uh, all the new subscribers on rumble um, also like share and uh, leave some comments that does help out with the algorithm algorithms and we greatly appreciate that as well All right, what we got here, the McKellen, the Classic Cut 2022 edition. This is not a cheap scotch. <laughs> this is not one for the faint of heart, but they do come out with their Classic Cut each year. And we've reviewed and covered multiple of the McKellen scotches, everything from the McKellen Sherry Oak to the Double Wood or Double Oak to the 12-year triple cask, the McAllen uh, edition number six, the McAllen Harmony Collection, rich cocoa, uh, man. And uh, now as we venture even further in, after visiting the McAllen the 15-year, we are going to the classic cut. So this is the traditional red box. With all of those episodes, we've given you a pretty brief history about the McAllen. Basics being founded in 1824, one of the first legally licensed distilleries in Scotland. They really bring in some of the lineage or... Uh, heritage of spain america and scotland into the flavor profiles of their scotch and largely known for uh, the quote-unquote the six pillars for which make their unique elements that combine to make the mccowan so special those six uh six pillars being the spiritual home Curiously small stills, finest cut oak casks, natural color, and peerless spirit. And how they like to word it is from our spiritual home in Speyside, so Speyside single malt scotch, our curiously small stills distill the finest cut before maturation in exceptional oak casks. These casks deliver the natural color aromas and flavors 
of our peerless spirits. And they're not looking for you to compare them to anyone else. This particular version, the 2022 52.5 ABV. Please review some of our previous episodes and uh, look at some of the further history of the McAllen. Ah, without further ado... Let's unwrap this uh, the McAllen the Classic Cut 2022. And one thing I do want to say, it's always hard looking at a box like this that is virtually on the cusp, so well done with colors, cuts, angles, impressions, foils, to not give it a five. It is right there on the cusp, but on the show yet, we still have to give a presentation score of five to one of our scotches. Uh, but I do believe the McCallum has come the closest. Uh, it's just tough. When you have to be that much more. The box itself, a great, well done, the McAllen cardboard box. Not really cardboard, but ah, super thick paper stock with the two-tone red, gloss, and flat. All that gold foil work. The classic, the McAllen bottle. Well done in size, shape, and detail. I'm loving the label. Uh, it looks very classic already. Man, if I'm a female attracted to scotch or a male, this has me fully erect. Just saying, this bottle is great. They've got their hologram label on the top. A well done topper. Uh, the impressions, the detail. Man. Again, hard not to give this a five. Once, well, I mean, you can give it a five, but uh, I really think the fives are kind of more for those more elaborate types of uh, bottling. But for sure, I one hundred percent agree. I am truly though loving this detail. Uh, as mentioned, it is a space side. Highland single malt scotch whiskey, 52.5% ABV. Any more details you want to go into? You're ready to jump in this like I am. I dressed it. I get it all. I get it out uh, there. All right. This is like going to Victoria's Secret with the supermodel and just wearing a few labels. It's here. time to get some carnal knowledge. All right. I love the crisp opening of the McAllen bottle. Well done with their plastic and 100% cork lids there. Man color who likes good color <laughs> i'm feeling sun-kissed already by this wonderful scotch time for the warp speed and our tasting all right, all right. cheers, cheers. The McKellen uh, Classic Cut <laughs> 2022 edition. First off, I'm just going to say it's phenomenal. I love it. Uh, yes, I'll take it to a black tie affair. <laughs> yes, I'll keep it on my shelf. Uh, no, I will not take it to a uh, poker game. Why? It's not because it isn't great. It's because I want to hoard it. <laughs> this is a hoarder. Uh, 
I will only really share this for special occasions. That's why I say black tie affair would be a yes. Or uh, with a great friend who is a scotch connoisseur. Yeah, I know I'm starting off a little bit ba- a little bit backwards than what I usually would do, but I want to get that out of the way first. Uh, this is a slam dunk, awesome expression from McAllen. I love it. Just go out and buy it if you can find it. If you Bottom line. It. <laughs> Bottom line. That's it. That's all I got to say. Slam dunk right there. Okay. As far as the coloring, it has a nice coloring that I would expect from a good McAllen. It has the uh, nice dark amber color, uh, something you would see uh, like a nice golden tan during a summer day on a, on a beautiful woman, right? Uh, you know, it's it's great. It has wonderful coloring that you're getting from the, uh, I'm assuming, the charred or, uh, casks themselves. Um, I'm giving the color f- uh, five out of five. Presentation, like you said, it's uh, classical, but it's not doing anything that would make it stand out above and beyond like any of the other expressions that we've tried so many of. (laughs) Uh, So it still gets the four out of five rating there. Now, here is where I'm having an, uh, an issue, though. This is such a great scotch. However, we just opened it up, and it 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 keeps changing. The aroma keeps changing, the palate keeps changing, and I'm having a hard time pinpointing uh, everything that I'm tasting and smelling. And as it uh, as it uh, continues uh, to open up and reveal itself to us, the more and more I'm enjoying this uh, this particular scotch. From my initial outgoing here on the aroma. I'm getting caramel, grapefruit, cherry, vanilla, and malted cocoa. Uh, And it just has this nice, it's not overly bearing sweet. It's just a nice, refreshing, sweet, uh, malty caramel, cocoa type of aroma to it, which is delightful. The body of this I would say it's like light to medium body, but it's so well balanced and it and it coats your mouth uh, extremely well it, that it makes it almost jammy because of how well it coats your mouth and how well balanced it is. Um, and I put it here very well balanced, silky smooth, which seems really odd because you, you said it's uh, 53 ABV, which is extremely is it, you would expect it to be very like hot on the tongue or something like that, but it is so smooth, so well-balanced. From the point it hits your front palate to the mid palate to the back, it keeps a steady tone with almost no spikes whatsoever. I would say no spikes at all, but you can definitely hit, like uh, if if you know what you're looking for, you can definitely pinpoint a couple tiny little miniature spikes, but oh my God, this is so great. Um, (laughs) As far as the... uh, the palette, I put, uh, you know, with it being well-balanced, silky smooth, vanilla, caramel, malt, fruits of peach, and hints of citrus. And I know I'm missing something else in there, and I'm not exactly sure what I'm missing. There's a little bit of spice there, too, that starts uh, making itself apparent in the mid-to-back palette for me. And this is where I put in my finish here, a sweet, spicy finish with hints of oak. And... You know, it is, a, it is a great scotch. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, 
for the uh, aroma uh, or the bouquet, however you want to say it, I gave it a 20, 28 out of 30. Uh, the big win for me was the palate, even though I didn't give you like a, a great uh, description of what I tasted. But I think what really won me over here is the how well balanced it is with the silky smoothness of it. And I gave it 29 out of 30. And then the finish, I really enjoyed the finish as well. And I gave that 28 out of 30 for a grand total of 94 points. And I will highly recommend <laughs> shut off this recording right now. Go to your, your damn liquor store and drop the money and buy this bottle because if you're not, you're a fool. Mic drop. <laughs> I'll tell you. That I, I don't think you're wrong in anything you said right there. So as I will start, man, as I stated in the beginning, it is hard to judge a book by its cover. But man, I sure as hell might buy one because of it, right? Now, this is not a scotch for the faint of wallet. <laughs> And what I mean by that is when I was looking up here, I purchased this because I saw it and it's the one time I've ever seen it and it was locked up much like the Harmony collection still is. I don't know. I don't remember how much I paid, but apparently the current market price this is the 2022 where six months later into 2023. Uh, is going for $239 to $289. So again, not, not for the faint of wallet. But with that being said, it's also difficult because judging a book by its cover, and not that any other of the McAllen boxes didn't shine, there was something about this red to me. There is something about uh, this red box and the detail work, no different than they've done in blue and blacks. And the bottle with these details. And it's really making me reconsider what does it mean to be a five? Anyway, this is getting my first five for presentation between the bottle and the box. And part of the reason that is, is you nailed it on the head. Would I take this to a father if I was proposing to a daughter? Fuck yeah. This is absolutely a black tie event. Hence, to anybody who's dating his daughter, <laughs> if you want to marry her, buy him this bottle. <laughs> this bottle with this box, this red really nailed it for me. And it's interesting because even looking over to the right now, we've got the 15, the 12, the 12, the 12, another 15. Blues and blacks don't do the same justice as the red. There is something special about this red uh, and classic that really sticks out. So it's getting my first five there. Uh, with color, you again stated it clearly. Doesn't matter if she's a blonde, a redhead, a brunette, or got black hair. Sun-kissed skin. Oh, man. All in, right? This is a dream of a color. Five Balls points deep. there. <laughs> Next, on the nose. Oh, immediately fresh fruit. Highlight of grapefruit. That kind of uh, almost acidic tingling on the nose 
then peach it immediately transitions to peach and apple and a little bit of vanilla and a little nuttiness a little i'm gonna go on i venture to say almond sweetness smoothness on the nose oh man so for me 88 on the nose well 28 <laughs> so 28 on the nose uh palette it's not always frequent that the nose translates to the palate. This one absolutely does. So for me, that fruit flavor, um, the grapefruit, the apple, the peach really shines. And that is followed with caramel. And a little bit of vanilla creaminess. And then the cocoa pops. And then as we transition to uh, the finish, more of that nutty flavor, the oak, that almond, and you mentioned spice. It is all there. For me on the palate, also a 29. For me on the finish, also a 28. So our score is one point difference. Mine's a 95 because I gave it that one extra point on the presentation. And again, it's interesting to me because color on this box does matter. And I uh, am, am stunned to myself to be like, yeah, you could have a 10 times as good of a box. If the bottle doesn't match it, throw the box away can be out of wood or metal doesn't matter if that bottle isn't as significant and here this bottle does it enough justice that i'm giving you my first five for presentation my first 95 score with a five for presentation uh and we were joking about it while we were doing our tasting but how i would flawlessly describe this scotch is as Nicolas Cage says in the movie Face Off, peaches. I could eat a peach for hours. And uh, this scotch... Times two. <laughs> this scotch is that great, that smooth. And my underlying feeling at the end of my tasting, Noah, was thank God for you. Why? Because this scotch is so good. Yes, I would take it to a formal event. Yes, I would probably take it to a game night. I will absolutely, if I see another bottle of this, purchase it and hoard it. Um, but I don't know anyone else that could experience this as we do. And it's not the same to do any experience and not be able to share it with someone who has the same appreciation. And I love the fact that you brought up Lee McCallan has their ex experience to her because that's what it is. It can be a shitty scotch from typically Lowlands, but it can also be a great scotch from Lee McCallan, the classic cut. And if you don't have the right person to share it with, it is great. It's not the same experience. So cheers to you, Noah. Cheers to Scott. Thank Tower, you right? for this experience. 95 for me.
it's time for our shout outs. One quick shout out. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two. But the big one is Aiden. Proud of you, son. Went with your team, Cherokee Trail, a one-year tournament, playing some amazing teams that were beating every other team by 35 to 50 points, and you and your team were victorious. Your defense was literally flawless. No turnovers. Super proud of you, um, Aiden and the Cherokee Trail basketball team for this most recent tournament. And then my second one quickly goes to Verstappen's Unstoppable uh, in the Canadian Grand Prix. <laughs> How do you beat that man? On a horse and a stick? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> right now, you don't. <laughs> I have friends at work who are like, I don't think it's fair anymore. He's cheating somehow. There's no way he can be that dominant. And I'm like, you didn't think that when Hamilton was that dominant. I didn't think that when Schumacher was that dominant. Nope. Everyone has their day. His is just a really fucking several year long day. <laughs> I think uh, congrats over stopping on that. Um, I didn't really have any shout outs. So yeah, I'll jump onto that bandwagon there. And I do think it's awesome that Aiden and his team had a great weekend out uh, in that tournament. If I were to make another shout-out, though, I guess, I probably would give it to uh, Brian's family from Michigan coming out, flying out from Michigan uh, this past weekend to celebrate his son's um, graduation party there. And uh, it was good to see them because uh, last time I seen a lot of them was back when Brian and I had graduated high school, and so it was, it was uh, great to see some of those uh, lovely people as well uh, again. Anyone who is not familiar with our show and our frequent guest, Brian, when he says his son's graduation and graduation party, triplets. So yeah, he had sons. triplets. <laughs> yeah, three of them. All graduated not one son. Oh, and, a, and a shout out to all of them, too. Because they're going to go to my alma mater. They're, they're all, all going to University of Colorado Boulder. So, And uh, congratulations that, to them awesome. all getting in to see you. That's a big deal. That is. Good for them. I don't know how he's going to pay for all three of them. but Fucked is he. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I'll take it right now. <laughs> you remember Squid Game? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's Brian. Fuck it, I'm staying. <laughs> Uh, I would do the same thing. <laughs> hey, uh, I have no, I have no get it together this week, and I'm not going to mention anything because it's pretty easy to jump down on something political and something like something like that. But I want to kind of keep it lighthearted, so no uh, get it together this week for me. Uh, my only get it together, man, only because I love them with all my heart. Ferrari, please get it together with your Formula One team. And what I really should. In retrospect, say along with that in tandem, if you will, is that shout out to Ferrari and the 24 hour Le Mans victory returning to the sport after, I believe, five decades and dominating with their latest competitor. Oh, man. Uh, if it wasn't for, you know, movies like. Ford versus Ferrari coming out in the recent years. I don't know that everyone could understand, but Ford, man, ball is almost in your court. Let's see what you can do. 
This week's restaurant, well, it was going to be another restaurant, which when we got there, we realized they decided, as they did the last time we were going to go visit them, that they were going to be closed for a while and then relocate. Well, this time they were closed again, so our... Detour took us to Torchy's Tacos on Arapahoe Road, just west of uh, I-25. Ultimately, man, the outside, not sexy. The inside, not sexy. Uh, the food, as we got in there, man, I had the queso and chips. I did think that was great. I then moved to the trailer park taco and then finished with the Republican taco. I will say kudos to servers uh, and our server who warned us, man, one taco is a snack, two is a meal, three, you're stuffed. I didn't really believe him because I'm like, whatever, I've had street tacos before. They always left me wanting. No pun intended. And with that, uh, I ordered the trailer park and the Republican. I was like, ah, what the hell? We're going to throw this queso and chips in there. Stuffed on the way out. Oh, my God, that's a lot of food. These are not three or four inch street tacos. They are five or six inch full size tacos loaded with meat uh, uh for me the food was great so with that the queso and chips uh i did think it was great i could have actually done without that what i did like i did like the trailer park what i loved was my republican taco the trailer park the the crispy fried chicken which doesn't say in the menu it is breaded ladies and gentlemen so beware great toppings great flavor the republican however is a grilled jalapeno cheddar sausage cut in half with cheese and you're the one who brought this up, um, which was the picture of this taco does not do the real taco justice. It was amazing. It was the it was delicious. It was my win. That taco was a 10. We're talking about a mid-range restaurant as I viewed it. Ultimately, the prices kind of said fast food restaurant. Um, definitely worth it from that aspect. But ultimately, the food for me overall was an 8. The service was good, mid-range, and this is where the struggle was. It could have been an eight, but I think it was kind of a seven. I think the guy's demeanor just kind of put me off because I didn't think he, I felt like he wanted to be there. Um, so seven, atmosphere, this is where this place bombed, was to me, it wasn't bad. And this is where it gets really tricky again. The atmosphere was a six overall from those scores, a seven. However, not a destination. But would I meet a friend there? Absolutely. Would I meet or take a date there? Absolutely. So it's kind of an interesting um, score because it makes me think about what does it mean to be a destination and then what does a destination mean? It means, and we've talked about this in full length, what, is this the place I would go for a taco at the end of the day if I had to travel? Still no, but I, I think value brings its real win. Um, value to me was a total nine. Uh, again, mid-range value, outstanding. Um, and yes, at the end of the day, I would meet a friend there. I would 
meet or take a date there is it a destination no there's still one better taco place that i know out there that i'll take the extra half an hour drive to get to all right so when you first uh pull up to torchies it is off of a pretty busy road which is arapahoe road just west of i-25 um at first i thought i totally missed it uh because i but i turned in a little bit early uh figuring that i was in the same kind of large parking lot area and Honestly, I was, so that was good for me. <laughs> uh, um, the one thing I think, uh, I think you're right with the outside. That part is lacking. I think they could have done a better job of telling you where the entrance was. I was a little bit confused, like, where the front doors were to this particular restaurant. Enter here. <laughs> you know, or put a sign right above the door that says torches right there. I don't know. <laughs> Something. Because uh, it kind of looked like they were, like, uh, these double doors that, May not have been like doors that you would open up or something. I, I don't know. It just didn't seem like those were the front doors. Yeah, there's a front and a back to everything. We've gotten used to the label on the back of our underwear, ladies and gentlemen. Get used to it. Uh, <laughs> however, for me, I actually did like the inside. I thought the inside was pretty nice. Uh, I think they're trying to be very modern about it. I don't think they overdid it. Uh, so I, I would give the, the, in, the interior like a, a seven. Um, I kind of like the lighting in there a little bit. What I don't like particularly is the setup that they have, uh, which is very similar to like Fuzzy's Tacos, which we've uh, reviewed before, where yeah, on one half you actually you have to walk up to go order your meal, and then they have a second half of the of the restaurant where it's a bar only or, or like the bar area where it's just 21 and over. <laughs> uh, but the nice part with the 21 and over, if you sit at the bar, they serve you food. Otherwise, you have to get up and go get your food if you sit on Hell the other side. No. Uh, so it was, in that case, it was nice. Uh, I do agree the bartender was a little bit off. Um, and I'm not sure if maybe if he just mumbled or talked really low, but I really couldn't understand everything that he said. Uh, and then the lady, super nice, super nice lady. Uh, but she was a freaky, fuzzy foreigner, uh, and her accent was very strong. Once again, super nice lady. Really like, like she was very helpful, very nice, but I couldn't understand what she said. Uh, so the service, I'm going to give that a six. Uh, the food here, my first experience with street tacos was back in college when I went across the border to Matamoros, uh, uh, Mexico, and you're in a border town in Mexico, and uh, they have these uh, street tacos there. And my fraternity brothers and I always called it gato tacos. It was like mystery <laughs> meat. You don't, you don't know what the hell you're getting. You don't know if it's like rat meat, cat meat, or whatever. Uh, and uh, but you know, drunk college kids, you didn't really care because it tasted well. So. You know, now with everything trying to be all like all like trendy and everything, like oh street tacos, this is a trendy thing or whatever. Uh, I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of street tacos and restaurants and stuff. However, this place did pretty well. It kind of reminded me of the restaurant I visited in Mesa, Arizona, called uh, Republica Empanada, where they sold each empanada for about five dollars. One was like a snack. Two was like borderline meal. Three is like 
mil to maybe too much before it was definitely too much well these uh so-called street tacos here at torchy's tacos uh very much like that it's five basically like five like five and a half to six dollars for each taco uh and they were very filling so thank goodness the bartender told us how feeling they were because i probably would have ordered three or maybe four tacos and i would have been stuffed or maybe not able to finish my meal that being said I ordered, just like uh, Jesse here, the uh, trailer park with the fried chicken. It was good, had nice flavor, but that wasn't my favorite. And, I, and the only reason why I went with that one is because the bartender had recommended it. I kind of wish I went with something else. It was still a great taco, but my win was the crossroads, which was uh, with brisket and jalapeno and uh, some other toppings there. And that, I thought, oh, and avocado. I thought that was a total win. I loved it. And I would give the food a nine. Uh, I think some of the other ta- uh, some of the other tacos look delicious. Uh, I definitely do want to go back and try some of the other tacos. So, food a nine. Uh, wait staff a six. The uh, interior a seven. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven across the board. Uh, as a total, as a total uh, rating there. Now, is it a destination? This is this is tough because if you're within a certain mileage <laughs> and you want a good taco uh, with some uh, with some beer, then it would totally be a destination a destination point. And I would say that's probably like a five mile radius. But I don't live within a five mile radius of that place, so then. <laughs> It, it pushes it out of being like a destination spot. Now, could I go grab a uh, uh, as good of a street taco somewhere else? Uh, I haven't been anywhere else, and usually, well, I've never been to like another like street taco place close to where I live. Uh, and I don't usually order tacos when I do go to a Mexican restaurant. I usually order a burrito. So uh, <laughs> I was I thinking get- the same thing. <laughs> I usually get something else. <laughs> so. If I was craving a street taco, in my sense, I guess I probably would drive there just to go order two tacos. But ultimately, it's not a destination point unless I live somewhere close by and I could go there multiple times or is it like an easy jaunt to get there and uh, be able to get go there on happy hour, get some like uh, cheap, uh, well, cheaper uh, beers. Uh, with some street, I uh, was with these street tacos, and yeah, it'd be a good place to go. So yeah, th- that. So I would recommend the place if you're in the area. It's not a destination point if you're going to drive 45 miles plus to you know 45 minutes or plus to get there. In fact, I don't think it's worth driving 20 minutes plus to get there. Maybe 10 minutes. Maybe fifteen, depending on like what you're going to be doing. If you're going to be going out and doing some other things, it might be a good place to stop at. But I don't think that's necessarily the. If that's your one thing that you're going to do for the day, I'm not quite sure that would be the place to go. This week's smarter challenge was to watch so we could review. The DC superhero movie 2023 of the Flash. Flash, Flash. <laughs> Sorry, that's from the, like 1983 version. Or the Amsterdam version. 
I'm pretty sure there were pink tacos in that video. <laughs> With that, man, overall, what were some of your general thoughts of this movie? All right, some of my oh, spoiler alerts before we get oh, started. Yeah, totally going to wreck this movie for you. Stop listening now. <laughs> well, one of my first thoughts going into this movie is that it seems weird how uh, many uh, movie franchises are... Uh, pushing the whole multiverse thing. Um, in fact, there's even some TV series out there that are doing multiverse stuff. And I get, you know, string theory and the multiverse and quantum uh, entanglement and all that stuff is kind of a intriguing uh, thought, especially the, uh, the closer or um, how technology has become more and more a part of our lives. And as humans, we're, you know, we're probably not far off uh, entangling with technology in, in such a way to where uh, maybe we might find uh, technology being implemented into us uh, and maybe we would uh, find technology that does allow for quantum entanglement or uh, time travel. Some people believe that there's already time travel there. And if you do go back, how does, uh, how does that really affect uh, the universe do we end up with a multi uh, a multiverse and do we have things like the butterfly effect uh, butterfly effect you know if you flip a coin is it gonna if you drop the same coin uh, the same way is it gonna land the same exact way you know maybe there's a gust of wind that pops up or a, a dust particle hits it at a slightly bit different it'll, it'll probably never be the same I think uh, you and I have talked about this and if you want to hit the point you can but uh, you mentioned a uh, something that um, you saw on uh, Jurassic Park talk about a, a raindrop never dropping the same. And so I like the idea of the multiverse and uh, how there might be different uh, realities of you. Um, there's also theories about uh, what's called quantum jumping, be able to jump to other these other Earths and stuff like that and be able to learn new skills. There's, there's a guy who, who has like classes about how to do this and stuff. Um, it, it's a fascinating subject. It's interesting. And I think it, it does make for a fun movie, but I, I also have a consideration of like at one point, at what, at what point does a topic become no longer interesting anymore? It's a good point. My general thoughts of the movie were and are. Man, this is a great movie. They did a an amazing job bringing in characters from other decades of Batman. And I thought it was... So well done. I need to go see it again on the big screen. Not even a want. I need to go see this one again. And I loved the aspect. When you start to talk about a multiverse and the different, uh, basically, time and space travel, this movie only grasped one aspect of that. And that is the time travel. Um, the space travel is what gets you to the other arenas of 
reality. So in here, we have Barry Allen going back in time. Again, he said, spoiler, I'm screwing this movie up for you. You should have listened, man. I failed to listen at the taco place. You failed to listen here. With that, Barry Allen goes back in time to save his mom and dad, and in doing so, creates a whole different existence for himself and his life with that when i say his life like everything this is no longer just that his mom and dad are there in this new life it's that he finds out superman is different and wonder woman doesn't exist and maybe it's wonder man they never quite go there i would have thought that would have been hilarious but the guy can only go so far when screwing things up so barry allen goes back in time changes a bunch of things but he finds himself here and this is where they don't do a good job with the multiverse is he's no longer actually on the same timeline he is not on a string anymore he goes back in time and he is in this puddle of a mess and that is a different tangent and i I think you'll go and speak about that here in a minute because michael keaton does a phenomenal job explaining that as you brought up to me with that though it is this piece of he has traveled time but it doesn't explain the space and that's where it gets really interesting um But I I think what they did here was a fabulous job of going along one line and one tangent and then realizing there are some things you can't change. So uh, that is an overall preview. I thought it was hilarious, just dark enough, just light enough, well-educating to some, um, really, my only struggle with it was they went along a timeline, but not the space line. So yeah, I know I didn't really like go into my overall impression of the movie, just like the uh, overarching theme of the movie. Um, I did like the movie. I thought the movie was great. It was fun time. <clears throat> I thought there was a lot of funny parts, like you mentioned. There are some dark parts there, uh, and there are things for you for one to question, right? Uh, about what Barry Allen does and some of the things that you do see in the movie. So I, I think uh, it gives you some like good questions to ponder. Uh, overall, it's a great movie. And like you, I do need to see it again because I do know uh, for as much as that they packed into this movie, there's definitely things, definitely things that I missed uh, that would probably... I would see a second or maybe even a third time to tie into the movie to make it that much better. Um, One of the things I loved about the movie is the different Batmans. (laughs) Yes! I mean, we got to see uh, Ben Affleck at the beginning because that's the universe that they start off in. Uh, then we see Michael Keaton, and Michael Keaton does a fucking he does a he does a badass <laughs> job there. He he's he you know if you take how Mike Michael Keaton is in this movie versus like the original Batman movies, he's a much better Batman now than he was back then. I think I still think he was a great Batman there compared to many of the others. I still think so, he was great, but here he had matured. Yeah, here yeah, the one Batman I did not like. Was at the very end when they bring in George Clooney. But that's because George Clooney wasn't one of my favorite Batman. He was a shitty Batman. 
What I would have loved to have seen as a Batman <laughs> right there would have been a Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale would have been the, the best Batman to show up right there. He would have. I think he's still just stuck on the whole theater shooting. He might be. But uh, I think uh, that would have been great to see. And the other part I thought was really kind of fun and entertaining to see is all the different Supermans with a cameo <laughs> from one of our favorite actors, Nicholas Nick Cage. fucking Cage! <laughs> <laughs> yes! So those are some of my, like, some of the, like, uh, the Easter eggs or treats that I, you know, like, I, I really liked and enjoyed about the film. Um, I, I did like the uh, storyline that they use for, I, I think her name is Akira, which is uh, the Supergirl. <laughs> I like how they kind of like tied in that and did not do like a whole like woke agenda with it and or anything like that. Cor- Kara Zor-El, yes. She was one of my favorite parts of the movie. We'll get there here shortly. All right, but with that... My next question is, when you think about it, how does it compare? Because this is not a cartoon. This is actual photography. However, the artistic comparison being that recently came out, very recently came out, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, how does it compare to that to you? Well, here, it's almost like comparing apples to oranges. Like, the one thing that they have in common is they're they're using multiverse as a base theme. But shooting live action versus shooting uh, an uh, animated movie, um, I think there are two separate categories. And I don't think you can really do either one justice by comparing them to each other. Now, if you're trying to break it down, like... um, the experiences that the, that the characters might come across by going into the inner into the different universes, the ripple effects that they could cause, uh, those types of things, and then maybe the explanation of the Spider Verse uh, of the universe uh, multiverse, where Spider Man they call it the Spider Verse, and and here they call it the multiverse. I actually think the live action film does a much better job of explaining the complexities of it with uh, Michael Keaton taking the bull. Uh, well, he's, he talks about like how, you know, what you're probably used to seeing in movies and stuff is you have, he takes like two uncooked strands of pasta. And he's like, here, what you do is you have like two lines here. And if you go back in time, you cut off that timeline and you create a new timeline. And he's like, that's not how it really works. What really happens is and he takes a, a bowl or a pot really of cooked pasta, dumps it into the bowl and says, this is what happens when you go back in time and you change something. And he goes, what you'll have here is you'll have some parallel moments, yes, but you're affecting the past and you're affecting the future. And what you're going to have, and I forget the exact term that he used because it's, it's been a few days since I've seen the movie, but I want to say like access points or uh, or like it's a commonality point where we, we have an intersection and this is where... Uh, Barry goes when he's trying to go back in time. He goes to these intersection points and he can see multiple different types of realities because at these access points or whatever you want to call them, uh, you can shoot off into a different strand. So if you just take a look at a bowl of pasta like Michael Keaton had dumped in there, you will see 
that uh, like some of the pastas are parallel to each other, uh, uh, to each other. Some uh, cross each other. Some you know, some intertangle with each other. And I think if I remember correctly, I could be totally wrong because I don't remember this part very well either. Is he takes the sauce, he dumps it, and when he dumps the sauce, he's like, "This is all the mess you create with it, uh, and this is all the stuff you can't predict." Uh, and I so I think how they explain that with the whole multiverse does a much better job of the complexity and the ripple effects and the butterfly effects that one would come across if they did go back into the past and change things. Whereas the Spider-Verse with the animation, I did like, I think I like Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse a little bit more than the Flash, but they're pretty close. They, they really are. But I, they did a much more simplistic type of explanation. Um, but what I really enjoyed more about their version with the animation, which you can't really do too much with live action, is how they are able to uh, show the different uh, dimensions or universes for each character when they're all interacting with each other because they all have their own certain characteristics about their universes and that's what i kind of enjoyed with the spider-verse um and how they kind of like explain like how one could exist in another universe while uh, i guess like coexisting in another universe and and if you don't uh have some kind of means to stabilize yourself there you would kind of phase out and so i kind of like that part of the theory as opposed to what we kind of see in the flash it's interesting because for me, it's it's an easy. I loved Spider Man in the Spider Verse. I really did think it is a quality. I do think it is a quality film, but because of the cartoon aspect, I think it's really aimed for the young adult and child versus the adult. What I value more about the Flash. So for me, the Flash was the better of the two movies is it brings in a different reality, but it also makes me, even as an adult, question, okay, there's some flaws in your theories. Let's really talk about quantum physics, space versus time. And now you're trying to tell me it is absolutely segmented and I can only intersect at certain times and space. And that is my struggle with this movie and what they're saying. Again, man, spoiler alert, you get into a point where Flash is going back and back and back and back. Again, one of two Flashes. He's got to realize he already went back in time. And he's trying to change the outcome. And the same outcome happens every time, just in different ways. Now, that, I think, is real. What I don't think is the precipice of, well, I could get there in the first place. Just go back further and further in time. And I will say, watching the Flash TV show with Mila and Aiden years ago, that was one of the things that they actually did emphasize, and I still struggle myself to grasp is, how are you going to tell me I can go back in time but only arrive at certain points to try to find a different outcome? Like, no, I just want 10 seconds earlier or 20 seconds earlier or 30 seconds earlier. What do you mean I have to jump back three years? Cause that's the next intersection, but that is the chaos in this theory is 
it's gotten so intertwined and intermingled and constantly changing, it makes you also question at what point does the whole thing just implode upon itself? Yeah, it's a interesting aspect aspect for sure. I think the one lesson to come away with here in the in, uh, in the Flash, and I think they kind of make it a point as him as a child versus that when he confronts himself later on in this access point, is that there are some things that you cannot change no matter how how often you try. Like at a certain point, you have to give up and say it is what it is. Which is interesting because, again, man, that's a tough one. Um, for me, of course, you've got your main actors in both movies. So in this movie, we've got Barry Allen played by Ezra Miller. And last week, we had Miles Morales played by Shamik Moore. Who were or is, was, is, will be, your favorite second actor in these movies, uh, both for The Flash and comparing it to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So you're asking, taking out the two main characters, who would be my favorite character after that? Oh, that's really tough. It is tough. I agree. I mean, for me, with Flash. <laughs> I know what your answer is. I, I guess I would go with Michael Keaton. But you know Ezra playing himself as the other Flash was pretty was pretty great too, right? <laughs> uh, but seeing Michael Keaton just for the nostalgic factor was really awesome. Seeing him, like reprise a role as as Batman uh, with Spider Man across the Spider Verse. This is really tough because honestly, I think the character that probably has the secondary character that probably has. The most impact is probably not my favorite second character because uh, that would probably, in my opinion, probably would be Gwen Stacy. But my favorite character, my secondary favorite character outside the main character would be Peter B. Parker. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting to me because I think you just nailed um, two ultimate role models or mentors in each of the movies. Uh, I think that's pretty significant for me. You go back, and it is absolutely Gwen Stacy, played by Haley Steinfeld. Or Steinfeld. Um, and in here, it's Sasha Cal playing Supergirl or Kara Zor-El. Um, these characters in those movies were literally, because I think they were underestimated, and maybe are, or maybe it was me that underestimated them in either movie. Um, so you're saying these are your second favorites, or are you saying that these were Bilda's second favorites? These are my second favorites. Oh, okay. Like, for me, it's about this female role, and it didn't have to be female, but it's about this other role, which I think is interesting because I usually don't bet on the underdog, but I think these characters were initially stamped as an underdog, and then they come out and kick some ass. Whether or not they live is a whole different story. Yeah. <laughs> I have issues with Gwen and like how she approached things. Right. And I don't disagree with what you're saying. But for me, man, they brought in, besides the main characters, the Flash or Miles Morales, they brought in the most color. See, and that's where I think Peter B. Parker brings in the most color, though, because of his comments and how he's just kind of a 
but he's not in there enough to have as much of an impact as let's say Gwen, as Gwen Stacy. But Spot though might almost be <laughs> as equivalent to Gwen Stacy though, as far as impact, because he is like basically his uh, canon event or main uh, antagonist. Uh, to Miles Morales, and he's actually kind of funny and grows his powers quite quickly. Now, over here on the other side, talking since we're, we talked about that last week, but talking about Flash, I don't <laughs> think she had, I mean, she was like super powerful, super impactful, but I don't think she had quite the impact as, as uh, Michael Keaton did. However, unless you're talking about the second Flash, I think he was... Uh, <laughs> I think he uh, was thinking with the wrong head and was trying to save her and trying to possibly try to get with her. I think eventually down the road, I mean, like, I think, you know, because he had that kind of like that young kid mentality and or like young college kid, like grown up moron is what he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he, I mean, yeah, like the young, like college, you know, like young college, like early 20s, like, you know, teens, college era type of. Mentality, like where he's probably thinking with the wrong head with most things. With everything, not most things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as we start to wind down, top three or four favorite scenes in any order. Okay, so I mentioned it already a couple times to you, even at dinner and also on here. So I would have to say one of my favorite scenes has to be like the meeting of the two flashes with the Michael Keaton uh, Batman. Like he just goes through and beats the crap out of the original Flash because he lost his powers. And then that all leads into the whole possible issue or scenario, which I really enjoyed. Uh, my second uh, probably favorite scene in that movie. Uh, it's not like super impactful. But after you just get done watching all this happen throughout most of the movie, we have—I mean, it's not the actual very, very last scene that you see, but it's pretty close to the very last scene that you see—is when Ezra or uh, Barry uh, comes out of the uh, courthouse and his dad gets off, and he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" When he sees <laughs> George Clooney, he sees George Clooney as the new Batman. Dude, I love that scene too. <laughs> that that scene just made me laugh. I, I don't know why. So hard because he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" And then my, I guess the other scene that probably really enjoyed would have been. Let's see here. I thought it was kind of fun when he was saving all the babies and he put the baby in the microwave <laughs> and was like catching a dog and he, <laughs> and he freaks out the uh, the nurse there at the end of it. The one thing I do have to uh, ask here is <laughs> do you think Barry or Ezra and I don't quite know if they really said it. This is why I need to say, see it a second time. Did he rearrange the order of the beans and put the beans on the top shelf rather than keeping them on the middle shelf? Because if he yes. did that. No, he did. Okay. 
Yeah, absolutely. That was what changed the outcome of her his father's freedom. Because if he did that... Because previously they were the second or third shelf, and then he changed those... Yes. So by him changing that, you would think he would have learned his lesson through like 95% of the movie and all the shit that he created that by moving those up to the top shelf from that middle shelf that he would have learned his lesson. But obviously he didn't, and he still fucked shit up. So Barry... Uh, yeah, I don't have the highest, uh, I get why he did it, but I think he missed the main point of what Michael Keaton's Batman said is the scars and the things that we went through create who we are. I think what he got from it, speaking to that scene in particular, is that you can't change an outcome of life versus death. I think that's what stuck with him. His dad was still alive, just in prison. So he didn't change that. What he changes where his dad was. But that ripple that effect causes so many other issues. And you think he would have learned his lesson from that after he knew that he had, like, no Wonder Woman. So there. that's where it gets super curious. And that's where my struggle with it is, is because does it change other ripple effects? If you're on a specific timeline and you are meant to die or live at a certain time, his mom died, his dad did not. That does not change. But what changes is how you live or how you die. So here's another question. Do you think Bat- Michael Keaton's Batman would have died no matter what if Barry... In that world. If Barry never showed up at all. Yep. In that world, no matter what, he dies. I guess that would make sense because uh, General... Uh, I want to say he's out, but that's not it. General whatever his name is. He probably was still showing up in his spaceship to go find. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's one of those things where you either live or you die, but it's how you live or how you die that can change. So I agree. That's where it gets cloudy. Is like, hey, well, I think that's why he ends up with the wrong Batman, which I think is a shame because I like Ben Affleck as Batman or as oh, Bruce Wayne. Christian Bale? What if he found Christian Bale back in time? Like, okay, if he outcome. found Christian Bale, I would be like, all right, okay, that's a, that's a trade-up. Anyways, what were your... Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to get so sidetracked. What was your... No, it, it's great because I think... This was a movie where there were many key moments for me that really did resonate. And one of them, my quotes aren't here. This is not an exact quote, but one of them is when uh, Michael Keaton's Batman in the past, a past, is dying and he's, he's saying goodbye to him. And I think the words were very carefully selected. He's not, he's not saying, I'm going to save you. You already did. What he says is, um, I'll bring you back. And he's like, you already did, right? And that's when he says, you already did. And that's very important, especially for, I don't want to see men of action, but I want to say characters, uh, people of action, people with a code, is you want to go out on the same code you lived by. No warrior, Conan the Barbarian, or any warrior in any war time period anything wants to go out as a and i will say uncapable figure to take care of themselves i do believe they would much rather be in the midst of doing something for the better the greater good and going out that way than going out retired as Michael Keaton was going to possibly. So I think I think his comment there has like a double meaning. I think, you know, obviously when we look at that point, 
Michael Keaton's uh, Bruce Wayne was not this. It was not living his by his code anymore. He had like basically like wasn't retirement. Let's just call it retirement. And he wasn't really like Batman anymore. Uh, so he did bring him back to Batco to being Batman and being like being that person again. But I think also at the same time, I think Keaton also knew that he brought him back by trying to reset the timeline. And the truth of the matter is, as we already know, General Zod was coming. Zod, that's his name. General Zod was coming whether or not the Flash Barry came from uh, one timeline to another. The Batman was just prepared to interact and do his bidding. Um, so, But I, I think that piece is... Very important because we each have a chance, whether we're retiring or we're starting a job or we're leaving school or saying goodbye to that favorite teacher, saying farewell to a parent, a son, a daughter, a child of any nature. And we have to choose and should choose our words wisely. And that is why I loved that scene so much because I was like, oh, my. I felt that it, it had an impact. It made me happy in the, the most sad times. Um, so that was absolutely one of them, um, man. And then another one. And yeah, my daughter called it afterwards. She's like, were you really crying? Like, yeah, I really was crying is when Barry has to go back in time again. And at this point in time, he's watching his future self remove or place a can of tomatoes into a cart that ultimately undoes time. But he, at the same time, is saying goodbye to his mom. That was a pretty meaningful moment right there. I forgot. I, I don't know why I didn't mention that one, but yeah, it, it, that's pretty impactful. Dude, I... We don't always get a chance to do the important thing for ourselves or someone else, but usually it's for ourselves. We're the ones that have to live with it. Taking the time, whether or not you know they're going to not be there the next day to say goodbye. Well, I think the most important factor of this one here, without like getting like too emotional or tied into it, is this allowed Barry to uh, gain closure uh, with his mom passing away. Where, as a young boy, when it all when she originally died. He didn't really have that ability or capability to have that closure with her. Where now, after him becoming a man and going through the uh, events of his life and the scars of his life to become who he has become to be a hero, he understood the importance of what he had to do to kind of reset the timeline for the most part. Still think it was dumb of him to like do the fucking cans, but at least he like was able to get that closure that he needed with his mom. So that way, not only could he have that, but he could also progress in life uh, and move beyond that portion of his life and having to blame himself for whatever reason. I agree with the cans piece, but I think at that point he was living by what he had learned. Here's what I can change. Here's what I can't. Um, but that scene absolutely impacted me. Uh, the next scene was two scenes very closely tied together. And one is Barry Allen, modern Barry Allen, um, no powers. At this point, he has lost his powers <laughs> trying to help his uh, current sense of Barry Allen gain the powers. What happened was he lost him. Current Barry Allen or that metaverse or universe's Barry Allen gains the powers. He becomes a simple human, 
Um, they go off and they go and find Batman. And then Batman's like, okay, so you're talking about looking for this specific person. And then he goes and finds her. She's in a, was it, was it Ukrainian? No, Russian. What? Russian? Okay. It was a black site where they're going to go save this universe's version of Superman, which ends up being uh, Sasha Cow, Supergirl, Kara, Zor-El. And with that, they go find her. Obviously, she's entrapped in uh, this cell that is uh, partial to keeping her weak. And human at this point no superpowers at all at all barry allen carries her out of the cell when others are looking at her and she gets to hear this and they're like she's not who you're looking for leave her and he's like i can't like she needs help and he carries her out and then later on after there's a little tizzy and this and that and the other um she comes back and she's like i'll help and the piece here is now she helps Barry Allen get his powers back because he is helpless. Seeing that transition absolutely made me believe in doing good. And I thought that was so well done by the writers and the actors. It was great. So I think you're making a good point here because uh, – when you look at Barry, right, uh, let's look at two things here. One, you have Michael Keaton's Batman saying, like, he's thought about going into the past to change things, but he realized that the scars and things that he lived in, lived through created him who he is today. And I think because of the stuff that he went through, his relationship with his Bruce Wayne and all and how he became a hero made him realize the importance of this person regardless if that was a person he was looking for or not so he had the essence of quote unquote a justice league hero right and like i'm saying quote unquote for my own self they don't say that in the movie or anything but i think if you were to look at barry from the the whatever universe that he, you know Newberry, we'll call him Newberry. Uh, he could, he probably wouldn't, he could care less. He didn't, he did, he he didn't know how to be a hero or how to do those types of things. And I think Michael Keaton's character has already been so jaded from whatever he did that maybe he didn't see the value of uh, rescuing that person. Not that I don't think he wouldn't have, but I just don't think. Uh, I think at that point, his mission was it's not like the objective wasn't there what he was seeking. So therefore let's get the hell out of here. Uh, whereas Barry versus selfless. Yeah. Where Barry's like, Hey, us from the justice league would not allow this person to remain here suffering. So we got to take this person. So I, I think the lessons that he learned from his experiences and his traumas and his, uh, I don't know, whatever, it, it, that's why he did what he did, and I think that was great. And I think that's a good. That's good that you brought it up because it, it impacted her because she's like, "You guys are you. You guys are just as bad as where I came from. Why should I help you out, anyways?" And Barry, old Barry, is like, "We're not all that bad. Yeah, some of us are jerks, 
but we're not all bad. Like there are good things for us. You know, there's good things here to save. And I think she saw that because of that. And therefore, like you said, she goes and helps him, which is great because he gets his powers back. And then Barry can be Barry again. And save his world as it would be. I don't know if he saves his world. I think he's going to We don't cause- know. That's the thing is if you watch the TV show, it gets screwed up. Uh, the one other part I do like a lot, which is that really part of the movie, but it's in the end credits. It doesn't set up anything. Is Adam Curry passing out in the fucking in the street puddle, uh, being super drunk, and as he's trying to explain that, Jason Momoa, yeah, Aquaman. Literally, I could not stop laughing, and I felt super bad because I'm with my two kids at a theater with. Uh, Mila's boyfriend as well was invited. Thank you. I'm sure, I'm sure that was a treat for him. I, like, who's oh this crazy God. guy laughing? Why at won't everything? he stop laughing at all this dark shit? <laughs> and why is he laughing so loud? Yeah, <laughs> what, what is wrong with him? It's only 10, 15. He couldn't be <laughs> drunk yet. No, I wasn't. I hadn't had a drink. Didn't for another six Did hours. Maybe Mila gave him some heads up before you guys went to the room. I'm sure. She's like, by the way, just beware. anyway i was laughing so hard because it was so perfect because it all comes together right we have a mature barry allen he was already 23 plus years old had graduated had become a forensic detective was working for the police department he's old enough to drink isn't drinking because he gets no benefit from it just pisses him off like it's a public thing he might as well be drinking water his his, uh metabolism is so fast but then you have aquaman (laughs) Who does get drunk, apparently, quite frequently, drinking a shit ton of beer, going getting drunk with Barry Allen. And then that whole scene, though, I was just like, I love this. Here's why I love this. When life gets tough, and it gets tough for all of us, we don't always know why or how, or you're medicated if life doesn't ever get tough. And if that's the case, good for you. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying for anyone normal life gets tough superman life got tough aquaman life gets tough the flash life gets tough simple human meat life gets tough and when those things happen what is true is we look for our anchors we look for our lighthouses we look for those things we can rely on that tell us where our true north is and not to forget our faith and that is exactly what backwards wise because aquaman in all of the movies has not been a role model But backwards-wise, this is the character now that Barry Allen has chosen to go learn from something or to get knowledge from or to gain something from. And I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was brilliant. And I loved it so much because I'm like, yeah, man, what you need to learn is what this man, Aquaman, has learned in life, which is... Yeah, there's the times I'm going to save the whole goddamn ocean and world, and there are other times I'm just going to get pissed drunk and pass out in the puddle because I can breathe in puddle water. <laughs> See, I got a totally different vibe from that. I got a totally different vibe from you. Okay, what do you get? See, I think he went to Aquaman not as like an uh, as an anchor or a mentor to learn something from. I think he was looking for. I think he finally realized who his friends were, and because. The new Batman is fucking George Clooney. Like, who the fuck are you? He knew. He knew Aquaman, so he had to tell one of his friends. And he finally realized, like, the Justice League people are his friends. 
unlike the like the crappy people at the uh, forensics area. But so that's why I think he was hanging, I think he was hanging out with friends trying to explain to him like, hey, this is what's happening. Like Batman's different. Yeah. It's not the same Batman anymore. You're not gonna believe this because it's true to you, and you're drunk. But that's what you always do. So I saw it more as him like trying to talk to a friend, trying to like you know tell him stuff and try to like seek help that way. Uh, not so much as a mentor. The other thing I thought was very empowering about that scene is if you look at the previous Justice League and movies where Aquaman and the Flash are next to each other, Aquaman looks like he's got a good 100 pounds on the Flash and five inches taller. And here, there's like a one-inch difference. And the Flash looks like maybe Aquaman is 40 pounds heavier and it's all fat. <laughs> wow. I think also like yeah, you have to look at there's like uh, a new a new twist going because like the old that Justice League before uh, was done by uh, Zack uh, Zack Snyder, which is not supposed to be the that's not supposed to be canon anymore with the new ones going forward with James Gunn uh, DCU universe. Uh. Anything else to wrap this one up? No, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm glad my kids went to go see it with me, especially since they know how much I laugh, good and bad, at the happy and the sad. And I cry, too. Man, there were definitely, if you are an empath, uh, you will cry during this movie at a couple of times, and that is just because you can feel it. And I thought that is, and you mentioned Gunn, James Gunn as a big role here, changing the, the let's face it he's leading this now he's become the leader and i felt it and i didn't mind it all right so next week's uh scorch <laughs> alexander murphy alexander murray and co the ben Riach distillery single malt scotch whiskey age 10 years distilled matured and bottled in scotland yeah so i picked this one out here because it looks like i think they i'm not sure if alexander murray does this every year or not but uh they have a bunch of different expressions from different uh, distilleries and since i i uh, know we've tried quite a few ben Riox that this might be a fun one to experience, even though it had no canister or anything like that. But next week's topic, do you want something like a little bit more in depth or do you want something pretty light, lighthearted and easy? Man, I said go in depth. All right, so next week will be the best of Clint Eastwood. Woo All right. So our favorite movies of Clint Eastwood are his best whatevers. So the best of Clint Eastwood. All right. Yeah. the uh, The other option would have been for light and easy was to do a movie review review of the movie Idiocracy. It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't remember it at all. Was that Bill Murray? No, Idiocracy is uh, the guy who did Beavis and Butthead, uh, something Judge, Mike Judge, I think, or something. Like and it's where the guy who's like uh, in the military, he's like average IQ, but he goes uh, into the future, but everyone's so dumb that he becomes like the smartest man in the world. And they try to feed, like, uh, they try to grow plants with uh, like a Gatorade type of thing called Brando. <laughs> and the president of the United States is like, is like some muscular, uh, big, like, black, muscular guy and stuff. 
said Joe Biden. <laughs> We're there. We have landed. Well, that's the reason why I was going <laughs> to suggest. Uh, that's that's the reason why it's going to be the fun, lighthearted <laughs> one because it really does. Some of it does tie into like what we're experiencing today. But dude, we don't. Maybe we should do that. Do you want to? Let's do lighthearted then. Lighthearted. Let's okay. The coin. Oh, idiocracy. So movie review of idiocracy then. All right, I love we'll, it. We'll do Clint Eastwood another day. Sounds fantastic. All right. Um, once again, thank you for all of you who watch us. If you made it this far, we uh, greatly appreciate that. Thank you for all of you who watch us on YouTube, Rumble, listen to us on any one of our uh, uh, podcast platforms. We do greatly appreciate it. Please leave some comments down below. We will take that in consideration. Uh, and uh, if you have any topics that you want us to talk about, we'll talk about them. If there's any uh, scotches that you'd like us to try, if they're within a reasonable price range, we will try those as well uh, since we are not yet sponsored. And uh, pass it on to you. All right. Uh, for those of you who have become recent subscribers, if you have any feedback, please share it. We will use it. Let us know what you think about anything. It can be something silly. It can be something significant. Um, share that. Please remember to drink responsibly. Do not drink to the point where you get drunk and then try to drive. That is a fool's move. Barry Allen would not approve. <laughs> With that, though, please, again, uh, like share subscribe remember life is great that doesn't mean life is easy find your purpose find your goals go after them and remember to do that because that way when life throws you a punch uh whether or not you dodge it you get back up and you keep going towards that purpose and goal and with that here we go until next month next week scotchman Cheers. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.